everyone and welcome back to another episode of honest vibes only this is episode two with the trio and today we got we're bringing you guys a topic of how parents influence uh chess and their kids journeys and i know we have listeners of all ages um, but i thought it'd be kind of fun to take you guys through our own experiences and how our parents played a role in our chess career or even outside of that and kind of the pros and cons that we all experienced uh, with it so I, I thought I will uh, kick us off here. So I began chess around like eight or nine, so fairly young. Um, and I honestly don't remember too much of my early, early days. I remember a little bit here and there. Um, but I always kind of knew it was something that my parents were more invested in than some of my other activities. And as I grew up, uh, more of the pressure kind of became on chess than my other activities as well. Um, and my parents, you know, they made sure that I had the financial means to go to tournaments, to afford coaching, to have the resources that I needed. And I always appreciated um, that about them because, you know, you there's only a certain amount of way that I can go just by myself. So I definitely had a lot, a lot of training. Um, but one thing that I realized is I, I started around eight or nine, and I think I played in the World Youth, which is like this big international tournament, the World Youth Chess Championships. I believe by like 10, I played in my first one. I think 10 and 11 years old, um, I was the first girl in my category, so I was able to go there, um, and it was covered for me. And that's kind of when the intensity of chess, I feel like, ramped up. And I, I remember it was always my parents dream for me to reach national master uh in in chess um spoiler alert i never reached that <laughs> um, you were close though i was close yeah i i got to like 2170 and then we have a tournament that i don't talk about um and then from there it's downhill um so i never really reached it but that was always kind of like the main goal they they worked towards um, and so while they, you know, provided me all the means to potentially accomplish this goal, um, I always felt like I plateaued. And I think that started happening around when I was like 14. Um, so when I was 12, I, I believe I won the uh, North American Youth Chess Championships for my category. And that's how I earned my title, WFM. Um, but I believe after that, honestly, I, I had good moments. I had bad moments. Um, but I would play every single week. Literally, there was a tournament every single week. Most of the time, it was local. Sometimes I would travel. Um, but there was always so much pressure. Every single result, I was expected to win if, you know, the person was lower rated than me. And if they were higher rated than me, there was always that hope, like, try to, you know, push for, see if you can get a draw, see if you can win. And I I always felt that pressure, unlike my other activities, that my main other two were Taekwondo and the piano. And I was always kind of left to do my own thing there. Um, but with trust, there was always that expectation. And when expectations were not met, um, unfortunately, it wasn't a good time for anyone, uh, literally until like probably my next tournament um, or until I accomplished like the next thing. And everyone works differently. Um, some kids and adults, you know, we work well under pressure. Some of us break under pressure. Um, and for me, I felt that I always naturally had pressure on myself and expectations because I just naturally wanted to do well. I, I don't think I was the most competitive person out there, but I, I did have a little bit of that. Um, and I, I think what happened was because of all the pressure that I had from my parents, I lost my love from the game quite early on. 
Um, I remember the feeling at 12 earning the WFM title, and that was like the best feeling I'd ever had. Um, but honestly, from 14 to 17 years old, it was just really hard because I had to juggle uh, school. I had to juggle other activities and competitions while the expectation to study chess for a certain amount of hours a day um, to play every week and to perform. Um, and when there was a lot of negative consequences and experiences that happened after bad tournaments, um, I really just lost the love for the game and it felt like I was playing for them more than myself. Um, and fast forward to, oh, sorry, were you going to say something? I was going to say at, at, you know, at the very beginning when the goal of reaching national master was first introduced, mm -hmm. um, did you feel at any point that it was also your goal or did it feel mostly like it was your parents goal for you? And if it did feel like your goal at some point, like when did that, you know, when do you feel like that actually changed and shifted? I always thought National Master was a nice accomplishment if I got there. But but honestly, I kind of felt more proud of WFN just because it's like a FIDE known title. And I'm not like, I, I'm not saying anything bad about National Master, but I didn't feel like, I felt it was more about the journey than the destination of NM. So I definitely felt it was more for them for me it was more um i enjoyed playing to just kind of see how i would do it was a nice way as a kid and a teenager to make some money once in a while as well um but i i hated the fact that i lost the love for the game because i was playing because i enjoyed the game um originally so that's it was definitely for my parents um for sure um, and yeah, it's uh, unfortunate to be in this. Sorry to hear that. And um, I hope at some point that you might rediscover your own love for the game. And actually, it's funny you say that because at 17 years old, I quit the game. And until, yeah, like I just, I didn't play tournaments. I didn't study. I threw out like all my books and everything. And I just, I didn't want to have anything to do with the game anymore. And then May 2020, I think it's 2020. That's like when COVID was like at its peak. And that's when streaming on Twitch was becoming like a thing for chess. So I had a couple of friends that were streaming on there and they were like, why don't you just try, you know? Um, and I was like, okay. So I finished my college semester and I just started streaming and I didn't think anything of it. I didn't expect it to go anywhere. Um, but I fast forward to where I am now and it's my career. And um, while there are some stressful moments trying to balance everything, I found a new love for the game, just like Keaton said, um, coming Wonderful. back to it as an adult and without that parental pressure. So it's kind of like it's kind of like a huge thing. So sounds like a very important part of your journey. A lot of healing taking place there. Yeah, for sure. That's that's kind of like what my journey's been. <laughs> Yeah, it, like it sounded like it it transformed from their journey to into your journey, and that's like a really big distinction to be made there. Exactly, exactly. And I I think I still have like PTSD with OTB, so sure. I don't have plans to play OTB for those reasons right now. But I'm hoping one day, maybe you know, I'll play a tournament again and just play for myself and just kind of see how it goes. So, yeah. The streaming got you hooked back into chess, but not back into OTB no. just yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, and that's one of the amazing things about this current time is we really don't need OTB anymore. I mean, there there are so many 
people who are getting so good at chess without really ever playing OTB. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at KD. I think he's only played like two or three OTB tournaments. Well, I don't know if you could say that I'm really good at chess, but I'll take the compliment <laughs> any day, Keaton. Hey, he got second place, right, at your tournament this past weekend? Yeah, congratulations. So, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> what about uh, your guys' experience now? Pass the torch over. Sure, I can go next. Because I think, um, you know, I'm going to come at this discussion from, from a slightly different angle. Uh, really just replacing chess with tennis. But that's kind of, you know, the beauty of of talking about the way we all grow up. Um, even though it might be different activities or different endeavors, it's just a different lens looking at the same journey, right? And I think I can really relate to what uh, Davina said, where it was kind of like, maybe not necessarily my parents' goal for me to be, you know, a, a D1 collegiate athlete, but it was always this kind of unspoken, hey, like, we're going to support you, um, you know, financially and, and, and time-wise as much as possible. Um, and we expect results. And I think that's kind of a lot to kind of navigate when um, with my family, you know, not good or bad. It's just we're, we're definitely a lot more stoic. So not as many emotions are shared uh, or at least not many loving emotions are shared like explicitly and openly. And that's not I'm not saying that's inherently a bad thing. It's just the way I grew up. But when you combine that with being in a intensely results oriented environment, that's kind of what creates that immense pressure where, okay, you go and compete at doing something that you think you love, and then it takes some of that enjoyment out because the results the results in tennis are very binary, right? With chess, I guess you know there's a draw. but um, but results being results oriented means that either it was a success or it was a failure. And um yeah, zero just going, sum game. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And yeah, I just think that it, it puts a lot of wear and tear on you mentally. And sure, you're a kid, you're always growing physically, always growing physically, always working out, always doing the right things, because um the parents my parents put me in a structure where I had to be physically present and that would push me to get better, right? And just how much better was kind of up to me to figure out how to how to handle that with with the with the training. And uh, I think when I was sixteen, that was a clear distinction. Where I think Davina, you were saying, you know, you went through so many negative consequences that um, it kind of yeah either either breaks you or your parents or both of you all at the same time and and for me it kind of broke my parents first where they kind of decided okay like this whole tennis journey like it's no longer our journey we'll still support you but you know we don't really care as much as you do anymore like it, 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 was, it was just a complete cliff drop off so that for me was the first time where instead of learning and, and exercising like extreme obedience in my tennis journey it started morphing a little bit into, okay, what what do I want to do with this love of my life? Like, do I want to continue fostering my my tennis journey, or do I switch gears into something completely different? Right, and um, that kind of played a big role in my college decision as well. Is okay, like I I never made it to my you know you know parents and my goal of Division One uh, college tennis, but I had the option of playing Division Three tennis or you know, going to a, a state school and, and leaving it all in the past. So for me, it was, you know, it was 
pressure kept building, building, building. I feel like, you know, I hope my parents don't listen to this, but I, I feel like it probably broke them first and they, they kind of um, became disinterested and it became my journey. And even then there's a lot more growing pains, but they were my pains to be had and my, my choices to be, to make. And I feel like that was super important in both my development as a person and as an individual, but also just learning to deal with the adversity that I placed myself into, not something that's structured for me to be placed into. So that's a, a little bit of a long-winded answer. I, I don't know if people, I hope, hope people can relate, but, uh, but I think, you know, the transition from a parental, a parentally led journey to your own is, is just really resonates with me with what Dina Davina said as well. Well, I, I just want to take a moment and um, congratulate both you guys on speaking about something that's very personal to you and really speaking from the heart and speaking very eloquently and just really, you know, put it, putting something great out there. Very well done. Thank I you. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. And that's really cool. Like, I feel like we had similar journeys, you know, a uh, different sport, but around the same time, you know, our parents kind of left the the journey that they were the most invested in at one point. And it felt like it was up to us to kind of take into, you know, at 16 and 17, what we wanted to do. And one of us quit <laughs> and the <laughs> other kept going, you know, but we kind of, still i'm sure do you still love tennis oh absolutely yeah um, and yeah. and i still love chess right but we just came back to it differently in adulthood which i think is it's always just it's beautiful true and for just to expand on keaton's point where um you know i just want to say that typically uh my ability to express my emotions and feelings are, were a little bit stunted because i was saying like I just grew up in a very stoic environment. So uh, I know if you're listening to this, just the audio on, on Spotify or wherever else, then you're, you're not going to get any of the visual. But even if you're looking at this on YouTube, you can't tell. But like the whole rest of my body is just like is sweating from the stress of like <laughs> having to share feelings. <laughs> well, you just released a lot. And when, right. when we release energy, sometimes that, that has a physical outlet, you know, some, sometimes it's tears, sometimes it's sweat, you know, so it's, um, <laughs> energy just moved. Yeah. For sure. And I, I didn't mention it either, but I also came from a family like that where there wasn't too much of talking about the important emotions. There was never talk about mental health. Um, and it's not something that my parents really understand what that even means and how that plays a role into actually you know doing long-term effects and, and and damage can be done so you know i i remember you know since i've been on my own there's been a lot of healing that has had to be done and it sometimes it's uncomfortable to sit with our own emotions and process what we're going through and even to then speak about it on a public platform is like it's a big deal you know so um I'm definitely glad that you feel feel comfortable to be able to, you know, express it um, for this podcast because I, I guarantee it's going to help a bunch of people and a lot of people do relate because I'm sure I, I relate and I'm sure Keaton can also relate. So, well, I, I think what you just said is a huge understatement, Davina, about how how hard it is to, first of all, to face your own emotions. It's it's so easy 
to repress and to block and to distract. That's and it's you know so commonplace in society that when we feel a way that's uncomfortable that we don't want to feel, we look for a distraction from ourselves. And distractions from ourselves are everywhere. I mean, they they are rampant and they are so encouraged in in society. And to actually to actually face what you're feeling, to actually look at that and to actually allow that, to actually allow it to move is um, that takes so much strength and so much courage. And it's um, it's truly admirable. I mean, incredibly well said. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Um, what about uh, what about you, Keaton? So um, my experience was uh, a little bit different, I'd say, than than you guys. Although there definitely were some similarities. Um, so my. I, I have a um, somewhat of a large family because my my parents have been divorced for as long as I've known, and they both, um, you know, got new partners, and um, so I have a, uh, a dad, a stepmom, a mom, and a stepdad, and I grew up in both homes. But definitely, the parent who was active with me on my chess journey was my dad. My my dad taught me how to play chess. Um, my dad's a um, definitely a very intelligent and driven person um a new yorker uh an educational psychology professor and he was very committed to my chess journey he um he became the president of uh chess foundation where where i grew up in nebraska and was always running chess events like camps and chess festivals and tournaments and that kind of thing in order to raise money uh, to pay for my chess development and travels and lessons and that kind of thing. He always paid for my coaching. He always took me to tournaments. And e even um, when I was a kid, I was in the, the gifted program. So I had a mentor. He even um, arranged something that was quite unprecedented. And that was for me to be mentored in chess. So originally, I was mentored by my local coach, Dr. Tom O'Connor, who was an outstanding coach. And then later, I was actually mentored by my grandmaster coach, Miran Shear, who I worked with over the phone. And I actually received school credit for that. And that was because of my dad's pushing for that. So in a lot of ways, my dad was tenacious, and he had a very intense energy. Uh, he was always extremely supportive. He was always taking me to tournaments. He was always encouraging me. I would say as far as the stories that you guys related about your childhood, I would say he pushed that line, but he did, I have to say he did a pretty good job of not going across it. I mean, there, there were times when he definitely could be a little overbearing or I would lose a game and, you know, he would give me a really hard time and lecture and, and that kind of thing. So he, he would go to that place sometimes but I have to say, in general, he was very loving. He was supportive. And although I think he kind of fought a battle within himself about doing it for the right reasons and about it being about me and not about him, I think ultimately he was successful in that battle and he really was doing it for me. Um, so I, I, I have to 
commend my dad on doing, you know, a very, a very good job and being supportive. And, and I certainly wouldn't be where I am in chess without his uh, financial support and emotional support and just making, making that kind of thing happen. And my, my dad also um, has done several research studies on chess as an ed psych professor. And he, uh, he interviewed, he did a few projects where he interviewed a lot of parents of young successful chess players because he was very intrigued by that and he interviewed a lot of big names he interviewed i think nakamura's stepdad and um sunil wiramanchu of course is a famous uh chess chess coach and um the the parents of many young chess prodigies masters grandmasters etc and uh, ultimately he wrote a book called um called Nurturing Children's Talents, a guide for parents, if anyone's curious, uh, which is about not only chess, but just that topic of, of how to be a, a successful and supportive parent for a, a talented child. And I think his, his ultimate finding was that, you know, it's really not possible without the, the support of, of the parent, you know, for kids to go a long way as far as... Um, coming into their own in their area of talent um so so yeah i i would say that 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 ended up being a very successful relationship that we we found a good way of of making it work but it wasn't without its its trials also um and the the, the same the same kind of thing the pressure because i think a lot of times for the parents it, it can be kind of a feeling of helplessness it's like they want so badly to see us succeed, but they really don't have any control on that. And it can be very hard for them to let go of that, to let go of their attachment to, to outcomes and that kind of thing. It can be a, a very helpless feeling. And a lot of parents, you know, don't, don't react to that in the most healthy way. Yeah. I think that was, all that was just beautifully said. <laughs> and I <laughs> yeah. think the cherry on top is how you summed up the ending there, which like, you know, they can give us all the resources that they're able to give us. Um, and, you know, they, they can encourage us. Um, but at the end of the day, it's up to us. And, you know, sometimes it's also not even in our hands. Like we can also want it really badly, but sometimes it just doesn't go our way, you know? Yeah. Um, just one so. of the toughest things in life. Yeah. <laughs> but Davina, I think that's why I, you saying that just triggered what you said earlier, where you're saying, you know, you're probably more proud of the journey than the actual title, right? Like when you reached WFM, you're more proud of how you got there rather than, oh, like I got this specific mm -hmm. accomplishment, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of the difference between, oh, like control, like you can control what you can control and you, you can't do anything about what you can't control. So what you can control is your day-to-day -day journey, but you can't control the binary result of one oh or or one half and and chess right so i think that's like a huge distinction is that it's easy and and it's most tangible to look at a result but what matters more is what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis to enjoy and cultivate the love of what you're doing exactly and and i also think like uh, an important thing for a lot of players and also parents to understand no matter what age you are like if a game doesn't go your way or you know a, a title slipped out of your hands or, or whatever the case is like 
it hurts a lot and it will sting. Um, but I think it was always coined as failure to my parents when I didn't accomplish that or I barely missed the cutoff for something or I lost to someone so much lower rated. And, and, and to me, I always would think like, well, you know, I, I didn't intentionally decide to lose <laughs> to this person. Was well, it your fault? Yeah, right. like it, 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 like it's my fault, but it's also not my fault. But also, like, if you term everything a failure and you go through such a negative experience every time, it becomes a fear. And naturally, when there's a lot of fear, it's really hard to perform as well as you might when there's no Produces pressure. There's a lot of anxiety, and that exactly. can hold you back. Exactly. And, you know, those things became permanent for me at some point. And I feel like if it was more of it's an opportunity to learn and it's not necessarily a failure, like these understanding that these things happen and being able to support your child, not just when they do well, but it's more important to be able to support your child when they're not doing too well um, and understanding that a lot of us are already hard on ourselves naturally. That's when we need our parents the most. And, yeah, we need the support, yeah. right? Exactly. We, we need the love and support from our parents. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, I yeah, when, when you're talking about the fear of failure, and, you know, the, a lot of times that can be from the parents, it can be from yourself, or probably more commonly from both. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but it, it is truly paralyzing. And, and just to take it out of like a chess context really quickly into like a physical and like sports oriented world. Um, like when you when you are so nervous and so fearful of a result that you don't want, like it can literally change the physiology of your body. Okay, maybe not physiology, but it can change like the it can have physical repercussions oh, on your body. Absolutely. And um, for example, like in tennis, if you're playing like a three plus hour match, like you can get really dehydrated and start cramping. But the people don't always cramp specifically because of the physicality of tennis. Sometimes they are so mentally nervous that their their mind is telling their body it's easier to just seize up and not like compete to your fullest extent. And that's like one thing where okay if you're if you know you're prepared physically and you're still cramping it's probably because of an extreme like fear of failure oh and body and mind are so connected exactly and it's it's a very difficult challenge to learn how to overcome that fear of failure and say i have to be functional and that's the big part you know like you you guys are saying like parental support and love like that can help you push you through that adversity and through that fear um or you can find it from other sources as well because for me a lot of it was was through the help of my teammates in college and everything but but i mean for a long time i was just floundering around alone not knowing how to deal with it <laughs> yeah and i and i think like i i mean it's not like i ever talked to kids about this when i was a kid but i have talked to like some adults that kind of went through maybe a similar journey to me and stuff but it's like you know back when i was a kid i i didn't have a support system much outside of my parents like i counted on them and so whenever there was these negative experiences and it was really bad at home like 
I was just alone, right? Like I had no one to come and like save me. I have no one to come and nurture me because it wasn't coming from the people that I like the only two people that could at the time for me. Um, and that's why I think it's it's also so important in like a, a parent's role. Um, and and I think I think we talk or I've heard a lot about, you know, tiger parents. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the problem is just while you can give your child all the resources and, you know, while you can support them when things go right, I think a lot of parents that I've seen in the chess community, as well as my own and through talking to, you know, other kids that are now adults and, and whatnot, it's just lacking the maybe the empathy after something goes wrong. And I think that's when I do see that in a parent, not just in chess, but just in general with, with life. Um, I I just know their kid is in, is in good hands, you know? So I feel like that's one part that I always get a bit sad about when I, I'm happy for kids when I see that, but I'm also sad because I'm like, I know I might've been able to do more in chess had I have that, you know? So can um can I ask each of you guys a question? Sure. So what would be your advice? It can either be kind of to your younger self or it can be, you know, for a a teenager or young adult right now who's going through or has gone through what you went through with with their parents. You know, they they have parents who are maybe lacking empathy, maybe have all the right intentions for their child, but are, you know, just kind of overbearing or distant or, you know, whatever it is. And they're they're because of that, you know, this teenager or young adult is in this kind of negative mental space. You know, maybe they're experiencing a lot of anxiety, uh, maybe some depression. Um, you know, they're they're struggling because of this this connection with their their parents what what would be your best advice um for for that that kid do you want to go first or (laughs) i'm i'm processing a little bit if you i mean okay i'll try to i'll try to say some stuff because honestly when you ask that for a lot of questions i have like oh i i have something to say but for this one it's kind of like it's kind of hard because I'm I'm talking from my own experience, which was very extreme. And so I knew from a younger age that there was nothing I could possibly say or do to change how they were acting um, because I can't control their actions. I can't control what they think or what they think the causes of my performance or whatever is. Um, so a lot of it for me was accepting that early on and I I still tried to express myself once in a while, but at some point when it just, it never goes well, you just kind of give up. Um, And for me, I felt that I had a bit more of a um, restricted life. Like I I was homeschooled, but then I took college classes from 15 onwards. So for me, I tried to hang on to everything outside of my home and outside of my parents that made me feel how I wish I felt at home. So for example, if there was like a professor or if there was an activity that helped me escape, 
um, I would try to hang on to those things because honestly, like whenever I would have a tournament every weekend, I would tell myself, okay, if I get through this on Tuesday or on Wednesday, I'm going to see this person or I'm going to have this activity and I can let it out then. Um, and I also kind of, I I think I was fortunate enough that even though I went through a lot, I became emotionally mature quite early. And so I'd always tell myself that for a long time, I did feel like a failure. Like, you know, that 90% of me did feel like a failure, but the other 10% was like, don't um, define yourself based on results. And, you know, you might feel helpless now and there might not be a way to make it better right away. Um, but you can't control other people. I think that's a huge thing to realize, even though as close as they are to you, as much as you want them to understand, some people just will not. Um, and you kind of have to take care of yourself and try to be kind to yourself and try to learn to love yourself. Um, because sometimes you're the only person that can do that. And you're the only person that knows you best. So I would say whatever toxicity you're going through, whatever environment you're in that might not be helpful to you, try to always remind yourself of that and try to always be nurturing to yourself and know that once you're an adult, you know, once you're more financially stable, once you can make some decisions for yourself, um, it'll be a journey, but it will be worth it. And there'll be a lot of like self-discovery and you're already like ahead of the game on an emotional level, I guess. So that's wow, what I'm saying. That's, that's <laughs> profound. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well said for sure. Thank you. <laughs> um, it's hard hard to follow that up. <laughs> that was very well spoken. Um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best, <laughs> but I think I I think I have three general points uh, or like pieces of advice or or things that thou just want to communicate to a younger KD or Kevin. Um, the first one is, is kind of similar to parts of what Davino was saying, like control what you can control, right? And and more to expand on that even further is more just, you know, don't expect failure, but be okay when failure comes to, and, and treat it as an opportunity to improve and learn. And I mean, I'm literally wearing a sweatshirt that says to fail is to learn. And wow. like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I really love this quote so much and i didn't even say it someone in my in my community said it and i just loved it so much i slapped it on a sweatshirt but um i wish someone had told me this a million times when i was younger because i mean in tennis and chess and and basically everything like you're gonna lose a lot so when you fail and you have that binary result that you can't control because it's in the past right you did everything you could leading up to it you did everything you could during the game or match or or test or whatever once you have a like finite or like unchangeable result you have to learn to accept it and and improve and learn and take something positive out of a negative experience and i think that you know with parental reactions also just self um feeling or loathing or whatever like it, it all kind of compounds and, and it's really hard to take the constructive part out of those failures and um 
I, I think the the faster you kind of mature and are able to do that, it's it's you know to to actually get the positive out of that experience. I think that's um, what really helps you grow in the long term. Um, the second part is related to that because you know things get so crazy when when you do fail that there's so many emotions, and I don't think I really ever learned how to manage that until at least in my twenties. <laughs> So um one one of the things I would probably love to tell myself to do would be to actually journal and try my best to process emotions and feelings that I was never encouraged to or asked to process uh at a younger age. Um I, yeah. Yeah, it, it's definitely something that helps in adulthood. <laughs> um just being able to have that self-awareness so that you understand why you're acting the way you're acting, why you're hey, thinking why you're the way you're thinking and um kind of treat other people in a way where you're self-aware understanding of what your actions are what your what the repercussions are and all that stuff it is more all-encompassing but um but third like the last thing i would really hammer home is just that you might you might think everything's really tough and difficult but one someone like someone always has it a more difficult situation than you but not to not to mean that you're not going through something difficult but to just that it's like that will that resilience is the most valuable human trait you can ever have and i firmly believe that like i said we fail a lot as humans we're we're we're, we're humans we're not computers <laughs> so <laughs> so when we fail we have to be resilient you know it's like the what's the quote like what uh when you if you get like knocked down 10 times you stand back up 11 times yeah like that's basically like the mentality that um is really difficult to learn because it only comes through experience but um whether it's it's a negativity coming from parents yourself or any other outside force it's just something that you have it's a fact of life you're gonna have failures and you have to be resilient and that's the most important thing that's been a factor in in my life and in my growth over the last 27 years that's awesome katie i would uh i would definitely agree and journaling definitely helps for sure um for some reason i I still can't find 10 minutes in my day to (laughs) journal Um, but when i do it's it's a nice uh, little uh it's kind of like just keeping a a track of you know how you're doing and what you experience and you know it's it's definitely helpful can you imagine if 14 year old davina was gotten into the <laughs> habit of routinely journaling yeah oh yeah there'd be uh there'd be a lot of things there um <laughs> for me i think i didn't do it super often but for me poems when i when my emotions are really strong my my thoughts just flow into like a poem so wow. that's awesome yeah it's, writing is is it's so powerful words are just so powerful yeah in general but there, there is um, a little, a little something I would like to say, or maybe um, almost a little bit of a process that I'd like to kind of bring us through, if if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Sure. So I think um, I'm kind of trying to, you know, process and and see all of this from a, a bigger perspective. So it's like, you know, we have young people who are, you know, driven, motivated, trying to achieve a goal. And we have this situation where the parents, you know, they they want them 
uh, to achieve this goal. And they're, you know, supporting them financially, et cetera. But they but then, you know, the parents are also uh, a little bit out of balance within themselves. They're maybe, you know, not so in touch with their emotions or the root of their desires and that kind of thing. And then it's like their negative energy, it really spills over and it negatively impacts their their child. You know, it negatively impacts them emotionally. It causes trauma. You know, it leads to um, depression and anxiety. It leads to issues with their performance on that task, all that kind of thing. So, you know, I'm kind of looking for a way that we can see this in a um it may be a little bit larger or deeper perspective and kind of what's coming to me is that it, it's re- it's really kind of the you know the human imperfection and it it is still possible to love and appreciate someone while condemning their actions and relationships with parents are very complicated things they're our earliest relationships and they really they really shape and form who we are you know our personalities how we relate to other people and almost every kind of deep-seated trauma that anyone has inside of them it really tends to stem from their childhood and their relationship with their parents. So it's kind of like, how can we look at this? Because everyone is doing their best from their place of consciousness. Our parents did their best. They did the best they could do. They did the best they knew how to do. But that doesn't mean that from our perspective, it was very good. And that, and that doesn't mean that it didn't mess us up, you know, on some level. So I, I think it's really kind of a balancing act of, you know, can we, can we find a healing and a forgiveness within ourselves, knowing that our parents did the best they could but as you know flawed individuals as individuals with their own issues and their own trauma and their own generational stuff that then kind of spilled over and impacted us and you know we we see that everywhere in the world you know with ancestral and and generational stuff that spills over from generation to generation. But I I would say my biggest message when it comes to that is that, you know, us, our, our generation, this generation, you guys, the people who are listening to this, we are the game changers. By being true to ourselves and using our resources, and doing our own inner work and doing our own healing, we don't just heal ourselves, we heal generations. Because we're making the decision 
to be the best that we can in ourselves and to face ourselves and to heal rather than continuing that on, rather than continuing on those negative patterns. So when we have trauma in our upbringing, we do have the power to say the buck stops here. You know, our, our parents, they had to do this. You know, it, it couldn't it couldn't have been any other way. Otherwise, it would have, you know, just given where they were at, given their level of trauma, given their skill set, given their life experience, that was the way that it had to be. But one way of looking at it is it gives us this great opportunity because when we do our own work, when we do our own self-healing, we put an end to that. And also, contrast creates. So their negativity can be a light for us to sometimes to show us what we want to avoid and to show us what we don't want. And knowing what we don't want helps us to find what we do want and what we do want to be. So it can really be a springboard for us. And as KD beautifully said, the resilience that it builds, the toughness that it builds within us, we wouldn't have that if not for our negative experience. So of course the negative experience is hard, but we are who we are because of that. KD is KD learns because of that lesson that he got about learning and about failure. So contrast creates. Darkness illuminates light. We can't do anything about the past. We can't do anything about our upbringing, the way our parents were. All we can do is really try to come to peace with it the best we can, and that can be very hard. That can be a very tough process, and I'm not advocating that anyone needs to do that. But I think that's all we can do is try to come to peace with that the best we can, given that, you know, that just it just was the way it was. Um, but we can take from that, and we can derive the benefit of the resilience we've gained, the strength we've gained, the courage we've gained. I have a, a banner right here. It says courage, not the absence of fear or despair, but the strength to conquer them. Love it. Yeah. And that can be a very good reminder sometimes. Yeah. I think that was a beautifully said. And, and one thing I'll, I'll, leave us with here is um a quote that's always stuck with me is that you are best suited for your own healing um and i i learned this through you know uh trauma that i went through but um it's not fair right because sometimes other people do this to us but at the end of the day we are best suited to heal and it's it's for the best and it's only going to be the best when we fast forward this down and we look back it's like yeah i I stepped up to the plate. I healed what I need to heal and for myself. And I, it's, uh, 
I couldn't wait for, you know, my parents to step in those shoes and try to understand and fix and make up for everything that happened. I had to step up to it myself and and heal myself. So I think that's also a little summary as well to to just remember. Yeah. Absolutely. And and to to you guys and to to anyone watching or listening who, you know, have been through something like this and are making the choice to step into your power and step into your self-healing and to be the best version of yourself. I just want you to know how much I admire you. You're all amazing. Thanks a lot, Keaton. And thanks, uh, thanks to Vina. Thanks, Keaton, for for having this conversation with, with us or with me. And uh, thanks for everyone who's listening and going through their own journey. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we appreciate all of you guys that listen. And uh, we all hope that you guys are doing okay. But if you're not doing okay, here's my reminder that it's okay to not be okay. Be kind to yourself. Drink some water. Get some food in you. And we go- we'll see you guys next week. Thank you, guys.